I've altered a lighting setup here, and I feel like I'm in a yeah. Horror. You uh, yeah, no, you're definitely in some sort of uh, yeah. That's way paranormal it's... activity. Very appropriate for the constantly referenced theme of our podcast being the X Files. Oh yeah, that's right. It's like the first reference to the X Files that we've made. And what you just you just did a double take there to see. Was there something something unexpected in that cup there, John? No, no, no. It's it's just uh, it was it was more. I was realizing that I did something that I shouldn't have done, which is I made myself a drink with a large, oversized ice cube in it, and, oh, and yeah. also in like one of these aluminum things. So at some point, it's going to sound like you know, uh, I don't know, I'm in a bell tower or something, and. Uh, Nice. banging all around well it's gonna sound like it's gonna sound like you're on some sort of uh countryside farm uh which yeah i guess the 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 church bells did not ring out in marinello this uh this weekend on um, either no. either of our days that we had uh, a checkered flag but let's hey let's let's get right yeah. into it here johnny Welcome back to the F1 Files, folks. Listen to me kick up into podcast hosting voice. Uh, you get to experience it in real time and get to watch uh, or listen to me kind of smile at John laughing at it because um, I do it every what's, week. What's going on? Are you suggesting that we're recording now? We All are right. recording. We are. All right. Here we um, are. That's right. And uh, the, the voices you are hearing, uh, me, my voice me is uh, i me am is. comedian improviser and writer Corey p willis uh, and with me is i be john lapore i'm a, <laughs> a creative weirdo making futuristic shenanigans for uh, your favorite movies the fastest cars and other silly stuff out there in the world very nice very nice well uh that is that 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 is who you got speaking to you right here, and what yeah, so, you got. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, our apologies, uh, an immediate apology. Uh, but what you will be hearing uh, are the two of us discussing Formula One. In this most recent week, we had not one but two races. That's right. Technically, sprint races are being called sprint mm. races this year. Like we all knew mm-hmm. they were races already. Uh, we'll get into that. But uh, we're going to be discussing the race weekend for uh, this past week uh, at the uh, Emilia Romana Grand Prix in Imola. We'll be talking through the perspective of a couple of uh, American fans, fans right right here in the United States of America. Uh, just a couple of casual fans we've known each other for most of our lives and been fans of formula one for most of our lives should we should we jump right into this weekend's festivities i mean i feel like we should uh however first we do have to rate the week we have to rate the race weekend uh so Um, let's say, uh, in, uh, in the spirit of, uh, of, of Quasimodo in the spirit of a Disney film, uh, let's, let's rate this oh. on, uh, 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 the, uh, a scale oh, of, no. okay, 
this is this is going to be a, a pretty I feel like this is almost a cop out uh, of a scale, but it is a good scale. I think a very solid scale. The scale of uh, the Lion King remake, uh, like the live action, quote unquote, remake being a one and the original Lion King being uh, a 10. Where where would you how would you rate? So wait, 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 hold hold on. Now I'm yeah, super puzzled yeah. by this. If if the remake is a one and the original is a 10, does that mean every level in between is some sub variant of the Lion King, like Lion King, the like the like cardboard board book for a toddler and then the like you know adult themed novelization is somewhere higher up in the charts like we could what we is... could go on that scale or we could just classify all disney movies cuz i think that that's like a fair accurate okay okay all all disney movies yeah yeah cuz like okay. i think the i think universally and it's you're pretty saying, and i haven't seen the i haven't seen the the lion king remake but you're saying it's trash I'm and saying so it's, it's trash it's like as a, someone who also hasn't seen it, though. So I, I, I okay, haven't seen okay. it because I heard it was trash. And I was like, well, I don't want to watch a garbage movie that's like out of my demographic. I don't have kids. Like, I have no excuse to watch this movie mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. than like Donald Glover and Beyonce are in it, which, hey, well, I, I, t- yeah, I'm a millennial. I'll, I'll, I'll own that. And you're trying to appeal to my demographic. But mm, no, thank you. Um, that wasn't enough of a poll. So. Yeah, I'd say like, and I that feels like the everyone kind of was like, ugh, the new Lion King was not good. Um, it was not cool to see mm-hmm. like a realistic mm-hmm. looking lion speak. Like that was that's not the appeal of the movie. Um, I think that was kind of the 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 way it was it was it was rated um, on the scale of good Disney movies. So I'd say like anything in there. Uh, we're including like live action. Uh, oh. Oh my God, John! We don't do this, but we have a caller um, uh, calling right now, and it's MJ. MJ is calling into the podcast right now. Uh, I'm going to answer right. this. I'm answering yeah. this. Pipe, pipe, uh, pipe him through. He he can't hear you, John, but he can hear me. Uh, oh, MJ, Jesus. we are we're recording our podcast right now, and you just happened to call in um, while we were recording. <laughs> Uh, you are the answer like i need to i need to gear up right there's there's no contest there's no question i guess maybe you could uh well for johnny can you hear mj's voice can you hear his, his voice coming through yeah no it sounds terrific it sounds oh, really good yeah for for recording quality yeah john is shaking his head mj you sound awful uh on the record <laughs> um i mean I don't even know if I want to be on this show if you're going to insult me like this. God damn, dude. It's, it's not you who sounds awful. It's the quality of your recording. But also, <laughs> you do sound awful. I mean, you do. Yeah, he, he does sound pretty crappy. Yeah, Johnny says you sound pretty crappy. Wait, what there, but... Well, um, so just real quick, I'm going to hang up on you in two seconds, but I just need you to get... <laughs> Uh, give me some feedback. Did you did you see the new uh the Lion King like the updated Lion King? All right, that's perfect. Honestly, MJ, that we that's all we needed to hear is just you say you didn't even know it existed. All right, dude, I'm hanging up on you so we can go back to recording this because you know we're recording a podcast. So bye. <laughs> um, all right, well. Uh, sorry for that interruption and, um, sorry that, you know, you had to listen to MJ, but that forces him to maybe listen to this episode. 
So we just got a new new listener, maybe not That's a new it. subscriber. We just yeah. Yeah. We just we just doubled doubled our audience right there. Yeah. So if you have my number and you call in the middle of a record, I may or may not pick up because it'll force you to listen to yourself uh, <laughs> on a podcast in horrible quality. Oh, I'm going to listen back to that and be like, oh, we're going to cut this whole thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, Johnny. Uh, All right. So, what do you what do you think on a scale of the new Lion King to the to the old original Lion King? What would you say this entire race weekend, like not just the 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 race today, but like the sprint race as well? What what would you rate it as? All right, sure. So I've been uh, since this premise was established, I've mm-hmm. been pouring over a list of Disney animated releases, mm-hmm. uh, looking for something that captures the spirit of how I felt, which is tricky because Disney surprisingly consistent aside from, you know, a misfire, like the live action lion King. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm going to say the race was a, it was a solid cars two. Okay. For me, which is to say going into it, the conditions were set for my expectations to be moderate but to see some nice things coming together. Uh, Cars 2, uh, uh, notable because it has, a, I believe, a more, like a slightly more than a cameo appearance from Lewis Hamilton himself. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. Uh, and so going into Cars 2, you think, you know what? Cars 1, not the most like not the most mind blowing or emotionally resonant, you know, Disney Pixar film that was ever made, but still was like of of sufficient quality and you think all right they're going to expand this universe there's these interesting things i'm coming into this race and i'm seeing something that i love in an f1 race which is shifting weather conditions when i see that track that is not soaked in rain but is drying out to the point of being able to see like a dry pathway around the track like to me that means everyone's got their work cut out for them because you have this dry line that is exactly one car's width on the racing line. And anytime you step out of that path, your grip conditions change dramatically. And it's like, I think I've made this comparison before. It is like Mario Kart rainbow road. Like there is zero margin for error. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we saw a few guys get sort of caught out by that. But quite honestly, I would say otherwise, to me, the race, not that exciting. Didn't really have me on the edge of my seat. There were some interesting events that unfolded. There's some stuff that I think is uh, much more interesting in the narrative of the season than of the race itself. Um, And quite frankly, I felt a little bit let down by seeing this thing that I love that narrow dry line. That means like, you gotta, you gotta have your tires right within that super, like the track all of a sudden went from being 20 feet wide to being six and a half feet wide. And it didn't really seem to, to generate the sort of like thrilling excitement that I expect when I, when I see that where, uh, where did it rank for you on a scale of, uh, Live action Lion King to original animated Lion King. Uh, well, I mean, I was I was a little uh, I was a little underwhelmed by 
by the 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 first half of the race today but uh but i'd say that there was definitely an, a nice chunk um of the weekend that i really really enjoyed uh so i'd say hmm wow i and i also do not have a list of disney films in front of me and i i'm not even like a a, a disney aficionado or fan uh i feel like maybe i'll stall for time right now while i simultaneously i can i can uh, help you out here i got the yeah. i got the whole list would you say it was like uh you know let's see i also love that uh, i came we, up with this and did not even have uh, an idea for a list of disney we've movies. got we've got something as high ranking as like you know monsters university or maybe, you know, of decent quality, but a little bit misunderstood, like the film Bolt. Uh, we've ah, got okay. uh, 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 something something way off the, you know, a real deep cut, like The Rescuers Down Under. See, that's um, that was, I, okay, so that is like my reference point. The deep cut of Rescuers Down Under is like my reference point for good Disney films. Oh, aren't the Pirates of the Caribbean Disney movies? Yes, they are. They, hey. Those are Disney movies, yes. Okay, okay, here we go. So uh, I'd say that to me, this is like a Pirates of the Caribbean, like the third one. And by that, I'm 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 literally saying the third is one. The, is that the tentacle beard? Yes, is that the one with the guys. I've ne- I've I've never seen any of these movies. And that's that's totally fine. I I watched the first one. I absolutely love the first one. The swashbuckling, the Johnny Deppness of it all. Uh, before I realized that like that's just like a version of Johnny Depp as a uh, as a as just a pirate. Um, that's really who he is or was for mm-hmm. that period of time. Uh, <laughs> um. But I'd say like the the third one had like a couple of actors who I was like, oh, I'm really interested to see their take. Uh, and there was some interesting stuff. There's like they go to like they meet some like Caribbean pirate in there and she's like some voodoo like sea witch. Uh, and I really was like, oh, this is cool. And I'm speaking vaguely because I'm like, ah, it wasn't super memorable to me. Um, but there were some moments <laughs> Uh, of watching of watching like the full-on fight between uh these like these characters who were like the tentacle beard uh dude and johnny depp's character uh like a full-on like ship to ship combat uh towards the end of the movie where i was like oh i actually really dig this but uh, overall uh, i barely remember orlando bloom being even like a part of that movie uh which is like the the lewis hamilton uh, 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 representative <laughs> from this weekend uh just a bit forgettable but yeah it was it was i guess pirates three for me on the on the scale of 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 lion king uh, of old uh being a 10 and lion king of new being a one it was like mm-hmm. squarely a pirates three for me um all right all right yeah, yeah. So interesting. Held my attention, but maybe I got some like some chores done while it was going on. You know. Um, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's never a good sign for uh, for the for the race. Like to well, be like, least... yeah, I folded a shitload of laundry during exactly during that race. Well, uh, for the first so, half, let... at least, that's what that's what the race felt like. Um, mm. Yeah, but the the race weekend itself was really really. Uh, I loved it. So let me, let me ask you, you, you mentioned, you know, this is a a two race weekend because we mm -hmm. have the sprint. Mm -hmm. 
uh, how did you feel about, uh, I, I felt that qualifying was interesting and engaging, but I thought the, the sprint was pretty, pretty thrilling. Yeah. I thought the sprint was really, really fun. So the sprint race is this new format that they tried out last year. Uh, and they've like solidified this year and upped it to, is it five races this, this year where it was three races last year? Um, I think it might still only be three. Or maybe it's races. three. They've just changed the places that the sprints are happening at. Hey, feel free to reach out to us at uh, F1 Files on Twitter and correct the hell out of me. But the sprint itself is 21 laps of the, the circuit. Uh, and there isn't a mandatory tire change. People can do whatever the hell they want as far as strategy. They still have the same f- uh, fuel load requirements. They still need to have a certain amount of fuel in the car at the end of the race. But they can run heavier if they want. They can set their cars up in a specific way. But the challenge of the sprint race is instead of having two practice sessions that are like basically setup practice sessions and then one practice session that is like race simulations uh, and like gearing up for the extended stints in the race. You have one practice session to get your car in order and then you have the sprint qualifying race. And then you'll have another practice after that in order to just like, I guess, work out some of the bugs that you found in the sprint race but you can't change the setup of the car. Um, You can only like dial in the existing setup a little bit more. So it is this cool race format that like punishes people in like, it will compound punish you if you like fuck up your strategy in the sprint, because then you're kind of stuck with like that setup and kind of a bad spot on the grid because also the sprint determines the actual racing grid setup for the full race on Sunday. So it is, it's different. I'm more used to it this year. I kind of like it. I thought it like filled out mm-hmm. the weekend very, very well. I saw a bunch of comments that were sort of anti sprint race, particularly yeah. this weekend, saying that like qualifying seemed to kind of shuffle up the starting order and then the sprint race sort of like reset it. But uh, regardless of that, I'm a fan of the format. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. I think it's uh, it's interesting to see this. Uh, this racing happened with a greater sense of urgency behind it and to know that it's still not the end all be all for the weekend. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan, Um, but I'm here for it. Like it like accelerates and compounds those consequences. Like I was saying, like uh, with, uh, with Joe Guan Yu and Pierre Gasly making contact on the first lap, Joe then had to, like quite literally rebuild his car to the point where he had to start from the pit. Like he wasn't even able to start from the back of the grid uh, on the race that that happened today. Like he, because mm-hmm. the FIA was like, you changed too many parts. We couldn't oversee the whole thing. Uh, Cause Oh God, seeing that car go into that barrier and then seeing the shot of it, I was like, Oh, the back of that car is sideways. Like it's just, yeah. But also not like sideways in a way that like it had been turned. It was like squished and accordion sideways. So it was like, oh, that gearbox is done. Like they're they had to make so many changes to that car. And again, it's only four races, four race weekends into the season. So that will not just have a knock on effect for Joe and Alfa Romeo this race, but then later in the season when they have to then make these changes because of wear and tear 
to those components of their gearbox, of their power unit, uh, of those engine recovery mechanisms that are attached to the to the power unit, they're going to be hit with grid penalties. And like maybe 15 races in when they're really pushing for a midfield like spot uh, in the in the championship, like they may have to take mandatory grid penalties. Mm hmm. And with Botas like going out, right? Like that, like kind of like messed his weekend up. Like, oh, yeah. But that was, yeah, that was that was really cool to to see the sprint do what it was supposed to do. I mean, it gave Carlito a second chance. <sighs> what a, oh, what a, Carlito! I said Carlito no like four or five times this weekend. Yeah, yeah, um, I definitely. Uh... So uh, when when Corey says Carlito, he is referring to uh, the driver that I think he's the most rooting for this season, uh, Carlos Sainz. And I guess this leads us into the very, very, very beginning of the race uh, earlier, earlier this morning. And uh, basically on the opening lap. That sucks. Carlos signs making making his way. Uh, we've got a decent sort of scrum happening through the whole through the whole field. And uh, Carlito, he's just making his way. He's you know he's he's off to a good start. And then yeah. Daniel Ricardo comes up uh, behind him and says, "Hey, Carlito, remember me? I'm yeah. Benny Blanco from the Bronx." <laughs> and uh, and just. Just, boom yeah it just gets them just absolutely that like gentle reminder of like uh um uh, i uh, <laughs> uh even if you do everything right even if you like have this like recovery story uh of like absolutely binning it in qualifying and then in the sprint you make up all these spots and then first lap just like no dude sorry and ricard i saw the the interview after the race and I watch like Ricardo in real time, watch his. Oh yeah, watch watching watch the, the onboard of the yeah. incident, and you could see it sort of like settle in on him. I mean, props to Danny Rick for uh, in know, real taking time. that in, and yeah, yeah. And I I saw something. It looked like he went straight to the Ferrari uh, motorhome. Yeah, to go yeah. Uh, like to go apologize. That's what he said. Like as as the interview, he's like, I got to go see Carlos. I have to apologize because I. Like he is like I just thought every th- I didn't realize what happened and it was totally my fault. I like wrote that. Th- I know that they 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 determined it a racing like a a, a racing incident like a lap one racing mm-hmm. incident. And I know that drivers shouldn't be penalized. I think that's a good rule for the first lap. So that this is like an unspoken rule that we should bring up because maybe people who have never really watched Formula One uh, are like, wait, why are they allowed to do whatever they want on the first lap? Basically. And that's kind of, those are chalked up to racing incidents. Uh, The race directors and the stewards of these races understand that in the first race, uh, in the first lap of the race, drivers are warming up their tires still. There is like a grace period that you need to give for some erratic behavior, some jockeying for position, some off-track behavior that otherwise would be penalized during the rest of the race. They're a little bit more forgiving on that first lap, and they determine this a racing incident. But I was like, well, I that was it, totally I, Ricardo's it, fault. Like, I, I mean, it was. I think it was it sucks. It sucks. I, I, yeah, I think it was a shitty scenario for Ricardo too. I didn't see it as like to me like it wasn't you malicious. Get penalized. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. 
I, I, I think you should get penalized if you're, you know, going on way harder of an attack than you should be and not, you know, intentionally not leaving room or trying to block a driver. And I think what it was was just like it was the first corner, basically, or the second corner. Everyone's still feeling out the amount of grip. And yeah. Ricardo is seeing that, uh, you know, Carlito is just started passing him and so he's desperate to hang on and he basically he just understeered into him he ran out of grip and, well he he went up know. on the he went up on the curb oh yeah that was yeah, the thing yeah. is like hit the, and that was that he, was what signs points out well and he says it as yeah. like kind of a throwaway he's like i guess ricardo decided to go on the curb and like yeah that's why i'm like ah i don't want to penalize ricardo but it's like dude you've raced enough to know that especially that specific track that like he has uh he's done so well at and he's very aware of how he should be behaving on that track um during in those conditions very specifically like mm -hmm. uh he he should have known not to go on that curb um uh he really should have and that was i i don't mean to like penalize or be like that was like a malicious move but that was like a move that he should have he he never should have made uh, every person mm -hmm. who went on a curb or even a white line up until that first lap of the race was punished so heavily, <laughs> like over and over in every session up until that session of the weekend. So it's like, Ricardo, you should have known better. Uh, love you, dude. You're great. And you apologize. And you were immediately were like, my bad, but it did ruin like a Ferrari drivers home drive it like ruined. It, it ruined, ruined uh, it it was such the an beginning of ruining a day for ferrari yeah. in italy which is about the darkest sort of thing that can happen yeah. in this sport yeah. uh, luckily there really, are two races in things italy that can this happen year. but uh luckily yes, yeah, yeah luckily we'll, they, they we'll have, have a, a we'll have another We'll have another go at it. Um, two random details, uh, totally stupid, superfluous things mm. that I want to touch on that I noticed around this incident. Um, one is that going off, uh, Carlito goes into the gravel pit backwards. Yeah, again. And he doesn't hit anything. His car is not damaged. The reason he's out of the race is because he punches the gas and the rear wheels spin immediately kicking out all the gravel from underneath them and beaching the and the, you just the watch car, the car trapping just, it just getting yeah. stuck and we see this happen all the time yeah. and it, it kind of boggles my mind that there i get it these cars are insanely powerful and so in that scenario if you're not super super patient you're almost definitely going to make those wheels spin and just dig the car deeper into yeah. the ground almost instantaneously uh but i will say on uh, i think it was friday we saw uh yep. mick schumacher go off and do a an excellent job of was, uh, uh, letting was the car magnuson that was it was kevin magnuson who oh, did that. oh yeah i'm sorry yeah. it was but the it was, other it the was, other it was a Haas. yeah yeah but it was yes yep uh you're you're correct that's that's right uh and and k mag just as the car is about to come to a stop, he very gently added just the slightest amount yeah. of power 
to keep the car moving forward and get it out of the gravel. And I'm surprised that like in the way that the cars have like pit lane speed limiters, yeah. on, like they have a button that you can hit on the steering wheel when you're in the pit lane specifically. So you don't get penalized for going too fast yeah. in the pit lane. I'm surprised that they don't have a button for like, I'm in the gravel. I need like ultra low torque so that I don't just literally send yeah. the gravel flying everywhere and dig myself into a hole because we see this happen all the time and the car's not damaged, you know, hasn't yeah. hit a wall or anything. And the guys, I mean, are just we watched like, I'm just stuck in the mud. Lando know? Norris. That was the, the one of yeah. uh, the qualifying. So just to, to go back real quick on qualifying, we had for uh, the first time in the modern qualifying format, five red flags that took place in qualifying, just completely, shut down qualifying qualifying was almost two hours long like almost as long as the race itself uh twice as long as the sprint like just unbelievably um uh, chaotic uh and it was from the track conditions it's that imola is this circuit that punishes drivers if you go off the track uh and a lot of these old school circuits you'll see have these gravel traps uh and maybe it's because these old school circuits like Imola haven't really been introduced or have only recently been introduced, reintroduced to the race um, uh, calendar that they don't have like the forethought to put in a button that just goes, Hey, maybe don't like torque out. Like you're starting off of the line Mm -hmm. uh, when you're trying to leave a gravel trap, maybe like just like cut the revs by 75%. Um, that would literally be the only thing that they would need to do is just put a rev limiter in uh, and it would just be an electronic toggle that just rev, like did not let the revs go up on the start. Um, but yeah, it was, it was such a shame to watch that, uh, uh, to, to watch that. Uh, it was, it was, it was such a, such a, <laughs> such a tragedy. So, so there's, there's one other weird detail uh that that i that caught my attention here and there's been some mention of this uh earlier in this season which is that supposedly the broadcasters the fia broadcasters that control the world feed that is seen in every single country have been piping in fake crowd sound effects yes uh during the race and if they are, uh, you know, this is just like a clear, uh, I think, posi- like this indicates my position when it comes to this sort of stuff. Like if that's what they're doing, I'm like, cool, go for it. I like I like yeah. that. Like, you know, it makes it seem a little more emotional or what. I mean, it's it's stupid because it's fake. But uh, if it is fake, so is everything. Else. The, <laughs> like, the, yes. And and it, and if it is fake, the race director to did a great job or sorry the broadcast director did a great job of making it look as though it was real sound effects because when carlito went off there was a sound that wasn't the the yay it was just like a oh ooh, yeah, you know yeah. and, oh and and the uh the broadcast director immediately threw it to a a image of the crowd and it Mm -hmm. was uh and it was literally all of these italian fans (laughs) just angriest faces all just going ooh, and 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 not only that doing 
the gesture. They, they're all they, are, through they it. all have they all have their hand straight out, fingers flat, in some cases, thumb pointing directly upwards, some of them doing it with two hands at the same time. That is yep. the universal Italian. What are you doing? And and just like there's I see it was such a beautiful thing to see. We're we're looking at the image of it right now and like uh, we'll, I'll have to, we'll have to put this on Twitter and like circle all the instances I of see. Italian hands hands one, in the, I, in the one or two variations of this in this image and they're all this is i truly hope someone like paints this like just pay i mean yeah. just paint this, this um, one's, there's one that, that's there's one that's really good with the slight bend to the elbow uh, uh but there's, there's there's also two variations oh, there's one guy doing italian hands on hands either side over, of his over, head exactly that's the one and yeah, then there's one yep. up in the middle where like a mouth agape guy yes a mouth agape guy and there's a guy next to him both hands on like his ears and forehead like doing like the like just smacking them like your head on both sides it's beautiful imagery folks this really yeah. is yeah this is this yeah. is some gorgeous renaissance painting sort of oh. uh sort of shit right here but uh, so, so very that, sad very sad that that that, <laughs> that brought a uh I, I thought that was interesting that we're hearing the sound of the fans and we're seeing it sync up and to me i was like it's not fake sound effects that's yeah because it. it was it yeah. was very obviously in sync and, and to me that's like that's a cool thing when you watch a basketball game you hear everyone in the in the stadium in the arena going going berserk and uh you know when you when you watch a formula one race that's you know that to me is a nice uh a nice emotional component to to add in and we actually saw it again they cut back to it it, it must have been like the broadcast director was like this is the one stand this, this is the grand with stand. the most yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is this is where they have been like drinking grappa since uh, yeah. breakfast time <laughs> and uh, yeah. warming up for this for this race. And it, and um, yeah, and they they went they cut back to it when uh, when the Leclerc made it uh, around uh, Lando and it was yeah. the, and it was the exact the inverse. I saw was, that, you yep. know, everybody turning to kiss their mothers and, you know, and, and whatnot. It was, uh, yeah. it was a beautiful, I beautiful literally thing. made a note like, uh, Lando, um, uh, or Leclerc passing Norris and then in parentheses, uh, <laughs> lap eight crowd noise. Um, that's just, yep. uh, I was just like, yep, Oh yep. yeah, that felt like legitimate crowd noise. It didn't feel like it was like that, like, Oh, this is piped in or an affectation. Uh, did not feel mm-hmm. that. I, I, I appreciated the hell out of that. But yeah, that 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 the the safety car incident did give them a moment. And I there are some people who hate the the idea that they do these uh, these like in um, like in race uh, um, like reviews of things that happen. But right, right, it, yeah, yeah. it allowed for like uh, the the perfect moment to show the restart over and over again, and to just see how horribly the Ferraris performed off the line. Like it was such a like like oh they both had weird wheel spin. They both had this like front like skittishness of the like the front steering rack uh, when they finally both hooked up. Like it was like they were like synchronized swimming in that overhead shot. Mm-hmm. So the Ferrari got something wrong with their setup, with their wet setup for that start. And they paid the price. They absolutely paid the price. Um, Cause without that, 
Carlito would not have been in that spot. He would not have been that far back, and Ricardo wouldn't have had a chance to like get by him, and he wouldn't need to get back by him. So, um, but yeah, that that was that was very unfortunate. Oh, the the restart, everyone was freaking the fuck out because they were like, "Is it going to rain again?" So no one could do right, right, right. the strategy yeah, yeah. that they wanted to. It was so. I love races like this. Uh, yeah. Uh, especially from the warmth and the comfort of my own dry home. Uh, and I know uh, Johnny and I experienced a traumatizing we've, rain event. Um, we have been in the rainiest Grand Prix in yeah. person that has ever existed. And uh, yeah, it's it, it yeah. it's not that pleasant after a while. The, the excitement is almost uh, canceled out by... The, by how, almost i should say exactly almost by, uh, by the miserable conditions but yeah i mean it, i i do love that and i love like any time that in formula one that like the cameraman is like zooming in on a wall of strategists who instead of just trying to figure out like how to beat their opponents are now looking at doppler weather yeah. maps and trying Every to figure out how to beat mother nature you know like that's, well there was this cool thing that like um that they this was brought up, I think, last year because there were like a few really rainy Grand Prix, uh, and some commentator was in or someone was like guesting in the booth, and they were talking about the fact that now they use um, like a lot of a lot of these teams will use like Doppler weather, but they'll also take people from their teams and send them to like different parts of the track that have different elevations Mm -hmm. where rain could potentially come from. And they just, their entire job for the entire race is to just be literal rain spotters. So they just like sit out there and like, uh, like trust their old trick knee that like, um, it's about to start raining so that they can get uh, ahead of someone else's, uh, wet, well, wet I, race strategy. I, I just it's love just it when when so the cool. radio call goes out to the driver and they're just like, uh, "Tell us what it what is actually going yeah. on out there." And the and the driver will explain the conditions on one side of the track and how it can be completely different from the other side of the track and whatnot. And just like it's a it's such a fascinating variable. I think we talked about this uh, a, an episode or two ago. Just that notion of like the drivers trying to figure out how the track works in these different conditions. And especially when they're changing, when they're shifting. And even there were things happening where uh, during this race, we had drivers that were intentionally going out of that dry line just for the sake of cooling down their tires. Yep. Um, the fascinating. Uh, I mean, they were, mm-hmm. they were running on those intermediate tires. The tire life in the wet for those is like 10 or 12 laps. Uh, and they were getting mm-hmm. to like 10 or 12 laps in mostly dry conditions. Um, and the problem was they didn't, no one wanted to be caught out in slick tires when the rain finally returned, but they were getting to the point mm-hmm. of like the tires were going to be ineffective in the rain anyways. Uh, so it was like, but then they're like thrown with the option of like, well, do we switch to slick tires? Because if it starts to rain, we'll just have to come back in for more intermediate tires. Or do we come back yep. in for intermediate tires and then just have to run them down and have them be ineffective when the rain finally gets here? If it gets here, plus those tires are like a second and a half slower per lap uh, yep. on in dry conditions. So it, it really, you could see all of the strategists and every person just like, worried about the rain um 
And like it got to a point of where it was like, well, there's nothing to say to the drivers anymore. It's just like uh, when you pit, if there's a safety car, do you think slicks? Like everyone was like a big what if scenario because uh, they didn't know what was going to happen anyways. So I, yeah. lo- I love it. I love I love seeing everybody, you know, having to stay on the balls of their feet. All yeah. right. So. As the race continues to unfold, uh, to me, the next notable thing that we saw happen was Fernando's side pod. Yeah. Uh, tear, tear open. Just blew uh, which up. It just literally like a big chunk of it. He had a dent in it um, yeah. from, uh, from a little contact. Yeah. Him and yeah. Mick, like Mick went, uh, got a little squirrely on the front, uh, uh, on that first lap. And his like rear left tire, like punched a tiny little hole in the side pod, um, and then just like lap after lap after lap of air ripping past the thing at almost two hundred miles an hour, got to it mm-hmm. and made it like super weak. Uh, but then, oh, that it was so cool to see Lewis's car go next to uh, next to it, and just the air coming off of Lewis's front wing just destroyed that thing like yeah it was like literally the the air coming off of lewis's car hitting against the side of alonzo's and that like change in like friction or whatnot takes this this small hole or gap or imperfection or whatnot and it just shredded the side pod open uh also terrifying to be lewis and be slightly behind that as that's happening just yeah and and not knowing I don't know if I mean maybe that was communicated to Lewis ahead of time, but usually that's not communicated. Oh, unless I can't imagine that picked it was up on the that, feed. Like, it, yeah, I don't think anybody would have expected that. Like, oh, by the way, uh, Fernando was in a slight bump before, so as you pass him, your air turbulence, wow. <laughs> your air wake might shred his side yeah. pod apart so like to me coolest thing was also just like being able to see inside the side pod see what's going yeah. on i didn't realize the side pod is like a very hollow space mm-hmm. uh you know used like the interior of a tuba or whatnot to very carefully channel air around intercoolers and and other elements that were contained within yeah, but, but I, like, I found that just see that radiator like the horizontal slab yeah. of the radiator yep. And then, like, it's like, oh, yeah, the air absolutely would be pulled in to, like, cool off whatever fluids are going through that. And then whatever extra air that's, like, left over that needs to get sent out, yeah, of course you would pass it right next to the exhaust manifold and try and, like, pull all of, like, that. And when I say the exhaust manifold, it's like, if you, if, if, if y'all have a moment to look at that footage uh, or see a still of it, you'll see, like, these, like, arms or elbow looking tubes that's like where the exhaust gas Mm -hmm. from the engine blowing up and creating these explosions that propel the thing forward that's where those explosions are happening so that's where all the heat uh is being dissipated so of course they like want as much open air next to that i also didn't expect it to be that cavernous though like i thought there'd be other things in there yeah but yeah it's just like open i guess with like probably weird like turning veins and like the inside of the side pod that we would that was blown off but we couldn't see um to direct the airflow within that maybe it like circles that air around a little bit um i don't know so that was really cool to see though uh i i yep whole um 
Oh, yeah. oh those pit stops, man. Those pits. Yeah. That was the most frantic bit of pit shenanigans I've ever seen. Um, it, yeah, I just, I couldn't tell what was going on um, for the most part. Was there any, I, I missed it. Was there any penalties handed out for uh, Ocon unsafe got maneuvers in the second, pit lane? Yeah, so a five second release, uh, unsafe release uh, for yeah. Alpine that needed to be served by Esteban Ocon. Um which like here's the thing is like it's so easy to just be like why would a fucking driver drive out into another and it's like the driver couldn't see the team is totally yeah. responsible for telling that driver to go so that driver trusts that there's no car coming so when so so yeah ex- explain yeah. what we saw happen there in so, the in the pit lane Lewis's uh Lewis comes in makes his pit stop gets his tires on has like kind of a slow sloppy stop mercedes has been like real sloppy with their pit stops uh relative mm-hmm. to the other teams which is weird because they used to be like the best um so it's it's such a weird thing to see them do poorly but lewis is coming down the pit lane after he's released from his pit box and then esteban Ocon is also in the pit lane being set up to go uh to to finish his tires uh and his like whatever alterations are being made to his car uh and the team is supposed to be looking down the pit lane to make sure no cars are coming that you could let your car into the direct path of but instead of holding esteban back the team just let him go and lewis Mm -hmm. was right there there's nowhere lewis can go because if he tries to avoid him He'll either drive directly into another group of mechanics or he'll drive into the pit wall itself. Uh, Yeah, it was just such a weird, oh, terrifying moment. Such a terrifying moment. Um, Yeah, especially because you get, I mean, like it's one thing when you've got these carbon fiber safety enclosed cars duking it out with each other, but doing it with about. 70 different team members exposed in the pit lane standing there next to all of this going on feet away with other cars and you can see it that there's an aston martin that is then immediately released in front of ocon so it's not like ocon can like punch it and get out of lewis's way because if he punches it he'll punch it directly into another pit crew who has just released the car in front of him so it's this that's why the the safety protocols are put into place. That's why there's like a a, a pit lane speed limit so that actions like that won't take place. And if they do, there are major penalties uh, for it. Mm -hmm. And the penalty that Esteban got was a five second uh, time penalty. Uh, I don't know if he served it during the race itself or if he ended up serving it uh, during uh, a pit stop. Uh, Because I don't know if he pitted again before the end of the race. Uh, but it was, mm-hmm. it, that was, that was a nightmare. Um, and it was just adding one more thing to Lewis's race weekend. Uh, we got, at some point we really do have to talk about what is going on with Lewis, uh, because George finished. So I want I want to talk about, I want to talk Ooh. about Lewis. I want to talk about Toto. I want to yeah. talk about Nico Rosberg. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Let's let's circle let's circle back to that because I think that's that's sort of to me that's like the conclusion of of this race where all those yeah that was the threads were the last broadcast to go out on the feed uh, was a communication between Toto and Lewis um, which 
So, Ooh. so before yeah. that, we had uh, probably one of the other most pivotal moments of the race, mm-hmm. which is uh, Leclerc in third place, slowly but surely gaining on Checo. Yeah, moving in on him, getting closer and closer. I After mean, Perez did lap- like a pseudo undercut move, it wasn't a full undercut, but it was like mm-hmm. it, it was a failed. Ultimately, it was like a failed undercut on Leclerc's part um, that like put him behind Checo. Um, so it, yeah, and it was l- uh, what a shame. Leclerc, who we've been, I think, noting, has been remarkably cool and calm in this yeah. season with the excellence that he has been bringing in, in his Ferrari. He's chasing uh Checo. He takes a little too much of a bite out of a curb and yeah. that sends him spinning, holding a drift for a, a little bit. Yeah. And then launches him off that curb. Ju- I mean, just yeah, launch, off that launches him off, off the, the curb. Yeah. And he, <laughs> and he ends up just kissing the wall very lucky for him he did not badly damage the car yeah, well, that he, gone, he bent, that it up a, bent it up a little bit but uh it was a relatively minor like it was a, it was an incident that he was able to drive straight away from yeah. uh, and i thought it was interesting too because when i was watching i'm watching him do this insane you know counter steer into this slide after hopping the curb and during practice there was this uh, this moment. I think it was practice one in the wet, where he had where this, yeah. it was significantly more wet. He loses control of the car, yet somehow the car spins around. It gets to be almost completely backwards, and he's holding this slide. He's staying steered into mm-hmm. it. It just hangs backwards yet the car is pointed backwards but is sliding forwards and is able to straighten it back out collect it not have it like do a tank slapper or anything and uh does this like almost like rally racing style uh save um that that was incredible during practice certainly wasn't I think the only reason he was able to save it in that free practice was because he did that uh, off of uh, uh, off of a turn and it wasn't necessarily a chicane. It was just off of like a slowly um, uh, increasing radius turn. So it's like he was it was widening out. And also he didn't. He had had all four wheels on the ground. (laughs) Uh, And I think even the. The wetter conditions, um, you Probably know, are slightly helped. more forgiving yep. in that, yeah, in that sort of scenario of being able to sustain such an extreme slip angle. Uh, worth noting also that to me, super sad that in these super tricky conditions, we weren't seeing uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. racing yeah. in these conditions because Carlos Sainz Sr. is one of the greatest world rally drivers. championship drivers that's ever existed and i have to imagine that uh carlito spent much of his time sliding around on loose surfaces as he was learning to to drive and that that skill set i'd love oh, yeah. to see how there's how also that translates to one of these much twitchier less forgiving formula one cars yeah well there's also that footage of like uh the the seat swap that him and his dad do where uh his dad is like 
tearing around in the same Ferrari. Uh, and Carlos is like uh, terrified of the way his dad is driving uh, in the second half of the seat swap. Um, it's it's very, very funny. Uh, but also, um, real quick, the, the reason that we, I think one of the reasons why this race was so underwhelming for the first half was because they did not have DRS activated. And like, I fully... Mm-hmm was like on the side of like what how why don't they have drs activated this is like this is why like we need drs but then vettel brought this up at the the during the post-race interviews he was like the first person uh to talk to to the folks uh after after the race was over and he was like yeah the way that this track works because it's an older circuit the way that water drains, it doesn't drain the same way off of the circuit. So it, the mm. surface of the track may look dry, and that's what everyone was seeing was there is a dry line. But just underneath that dry surface, there is a layer of track that can hold water. And if there's like a weird part that's like not perfectly, even if the track's a little bit bumpy and there's water and that car is doing uh, X amount of, of miles an hour faster uh, than you're used to, and you get a little unsettled, especially in that specific part of the track where DRS is available. It's not an actual straight. Yep. Um, we saw uh, uh, Botas and uh, and Russell get into a lot of trouble going very fast uh, at that track last year um, uh, as a result of DRS being uh, available <laughs> to those cars that were also mm-hmm. unsettling the cars directly behind them. So I think in hindsight, Yes, maybe it did make the race a little bit more boring than we're used to, but it was the smart choice to not have DRS active until, what was that, lap 35? Thir- lap 35 is when they finally enabled the drag Jesus. reduction system. Um, wow. And that's also because race team team race um, uh, principles and like the the racing managers can't contact race control anymore to try to lobby for in-race conditions. So even if the teams mm-hmm. wanted it, they wouldn't have been allowed to to ask for it. So just a, a weird kind of behind the scenes stuff that like makes sense when you look at the way the race unfolded and like how exciting it was and why they made it uh, as underwhelming <laughs> uh, as it needed mm-hmm. to be. Because, yeah, we had a bunch of cars finish the race. We didn't have a bunch of accidents. Um, and I think that would have happened if, if we had DRS available because drivers are going to take advantage of it. They're going to activate it even if it's not safe enough because it might mean they will win uh a few extra points right um uh or they Mm -hmm. might gain Mm -hmm. a few extra tenths if they take an extra risk um especially if they're not punished for it so yeah but um i mean it was such a shame because that like leclerc pitting for those soft tires before he spun out did create that like beautiful chain reaction up the rest of the grid where it was like, okay, Perez now has time to take a pit stop. And if Perez has time to take a pit stop, that means Verstappen can take a pit stop, Uh, which that's the gamble is like, yeah, you could slap on faster tires, but also something could go wrong during that pit stop. And if something goes wrong during a pit stop, you've just sacrificed your whole race uh, for maybe one extra championship point instead of winning the race. So that that was really cool to watch. Sucked to watch. Leclerc just absolutely chunk it um, on that chicane. It was it was real sloppy. Um, 
And uh, his, his radio response afterwards was like, yeah, it doesn't feel great, uh, which is like, yeah, you just broke off mm-hmm. part of your front wing. Of course, it doesn't feel great. Um, what else from the race, though, uh, uh, before we get to the end here, Johnny? What else from the race stuck out to you? Um, I mean, that was I, I think those were the the biggest aspects of it. I think it was awesome to see uh, Lando make yeah. his way to a podium. I think, uh, you know, as as I suspect is going to be a common thread through the season, uh, Sergio Perez, a uh, never appreciated enough uh, wingman doing doing the Lord's work um, and, and certainly uh, helping out uh, Max, uh, Max, you know, uh, the calmest <laughs> that we've yeah. seen him this season i mean granted the guys put up with a lot from like you know uh insane dog fights to his car blowing up uh twice yeah. on him but this was like the the one time where he was like hey that was a good sunday everybody i enjoy oh, this and not, i've got like, i've got the, not quote. the whole time the exact quote from max was uh uh, that was a very lonely Sunday. Yeah, that was very lonely out there at the front, and that's yeah, it is it is lonely. Was there and any was there boring. any Max radio panic at any point in the race? Uh, I did not hear any. Him be, like someone get me a farmer's almanac, <laughs> you know? Like just... <laughs> no, he seemed he seemed pretty chill, and I'm sure if like if 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 we go back in and and listen to whatever the FIA will release something that over dramatizes a communication uh, because uh, we did have him. Uh, we Okay. So maybe we got our fill in the sprint race uh, towards the end because Max's race engineer kept coming in to be like, Hey, the, what's the deal? How you feeling? Oh yeah. And he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. you gotta yeah, stop. Yeah. Please stop talking to me. It was like <laughs> talking to me in the breaking zones. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just such a like, okay. All right. We found some drama. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then the, I'd say the, the quote, and this is going to get bleeped, uh, but maybe the quote of the day is coming, uh, which was coming from, from Charles Leclerc, uh, where he, they come over to him at the end of the race and he's like finished, you know, um, way down, way down in the points, uh, versus where he should have finished. Uh, and he goes, sorry to you all. Ah, fuck. <laughs> like, just, yep. just like, the, yeah, of course, of course, that's all you can really say is like, ah, fuck. Mm-hmm. nothing really else. Uh, nothing really else to, to, to talk about there. Um, first time. Uh, since 2016 in Malaysia, that Red Bull has had a one-two finish. So that's uh, that is a long time coming, almost six years since uh, since Red Bull has had a one-two finish, uh, which just yep. goes to show you how dominant Mercedes has been. And Red Bull has not been a bad team; it's just they've been dominated by Mercedes. Then, yeah, uh, it was it was so fun to watch Botas and Russell fight at the end for the last couple of laps. Uh, especially in the spots, the same spots that like they came together Uh. uh, last year in the wet, in the wet. Uh, It was really, really fun to watch that literally the last couple of laps. Um, So cool to Mm -hmm. see that. Uh, And then uh, just the whole like Toto um, came in at the very last bit and was like, sorry, Lewis, the car was undrivable. It's totally unacceptable. Not okay. Um, 
Yeah, you you deserve better. Yeah. Uh, this is, I know this is, you know, I know this is garbage. We'll, you know, we'll try and make it right for you, old pal. Yeah. Um, and I found that very deeply disconcerting uh, Me too. for a number of different reasons. Um, yeah. One of which being <laughs> the reason that uh, Nico Rosberg uh, seemed to be absolutely thrilled to point out at every yep. possible opportunity. Also, like, I... I don't really have anything against Nico Rosberg. I think he's a fine guy. Um, I take that back. I feel like I think I he's a prick. Like some, like, yeah, I think I, he- I have some I, I have a lot of weird feelings about Nico Rosberg. Like I love that him and Hamilton yeah. came up through carding together and whatnot. Him. But yeah, like but-, but like it always to me was weird that like he you know, he was in the best car with alongside his teammate. Uh, and his teammate had a really crap season that I think was solely based on uh, his issues that he was running into with his car. Literally reliable bad luck of the yep. draw. And Nico won the championship. And like about like, you know, 45 minutes after he won the championship, he was just like, uh, I'm out. I'm just going to quit at the top. So that, uh, you know, just in the event that there's any chance that anybody thinks that I won this championship due to my superior driving, that there's no reason for them to think otherwise by seeing me not win another championship ever. Yeah. Um, and he, and he disappeared. Um, he was, he's also then, every radio interview, every interaction I've ever, like, it doesn't matter if it's another racing driver or a, a, a commentator, whether it's, uh, no matter what the gender of the person is he's interviewing with or talking with, he always sounds like the most arrogant prick. Like he just sounds so condescending. He has, like this level of like over polish that you would expect from like a morning show anchor, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's. But in and like it, and it's to me like it's, a low budget comedy, like not like even like a good, right, right, right. like crisp, like, oh, I enjoy waking up to this guy or like I'm not annoyed by him. It's like the like villainous morning show anchor in like a low budget comedy. And and so like when he comes into the Sky Sports feed uh, and they're doing something where he's he's providing some occasional color commentary, but I'm pretty sure it's in like a studio that they set up in his living room. Yes. Like that he's being beamed into the race and they pull him in just at like random times to just be like, Nico, what do you think? And he does like his sort of like, let me get into the mind of a racer and provide you my opinion. But like it, it just oh, it was so it was so like cringy to me to hear him just like continually, you know, like himself having the joy, like having this glee of being like, well, it's pretty pretty dark state of affairs for lewis being that he's in the same exact car as his teammate who is you know outclassing him uh, which yeah. is a genuine concern it's a valid point it's a genuine it's just, concern. there's something there's there's something about hearing it come from nico that just makes it makes it sound uh is uh, really a little, a little stilted yeah yeah it's 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 there's an extra level of like great uh to his the the way his comments come across when he talks about lewis uh and relative mm-hmm. to his to the performance that george is putting in but that that said there is something uh important i think about george's performance in that mercedes uh relative to lewis and that is 
George has been tasked with, and uh, Jean Alessi was the 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 guest commentator, uh, uh, who's a, a former uh, Ferrari driver. Uh, he was teammates with Alan Prost. Uh, he was he's a a, a great driver, um, but like a magical uh, <laughs> French uh, character. Um, and he was mentioning that George has come up driving cars that are very difficult to drive, just supremely difficult to drive. And he's very, he's, he has built a skill set around wringing everything out of a car that is hard to drive. And Lewis has become very comfortable with driving cars that have been built to his tastes and that are very easy to drive for him relative to his teammates, right? Like we saw Valtteri mm-hmm. struggle quite a bit when the when the Mercedes was running at peak. He wasn't as consistent as Lewis. There's just this thing that happens when you have a car that is engineered and tailored for you versus someone who is like, I have a car that we're trying to get everything out of and I still do well with it. And I think that's what we're seeing with Russell and that's what we're seeing with Lewis right now. And that's why... The, there is such a, an, an ocean of difference between their performance is Lewis is just not used to driving a car that is not great. Uh, and that's not a, I'm not casting any doubt on his ability or his greatness as a driver. No, but I, I, it's just, I think that's a, that's a fair point. I think that's a fair balance that like, you know, I think also when you're a little bit in, in theory, I mean, it could just also be Lewis is a more senior driver at this point. Yeah in his career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you, when you are a younger driver, you're typically more adaptable. Exactly. Um, to, to the, the circumstances that are laid out in front of you. Um, so the, the Toto radio message Mm. did sound as though my, my takeaway and, and I'm, I'm now like genuinely concerned for, Lewis, because I do worry that there's um, some deeper struggles that are going on, and rightfully so, uh, especially yeah. after the way the last season ended and having, uh, you know, a whole off season of just being in an echo chamber of having the the final, literally the final seconds of the last season uh, be so hurtful, and. Yeah. I, I really got the sense that Toto's radio message was intended to be like a, let me make sure I say this over the radio so that it can be broadcast so to the everybody entire world. Can hear this. this is less about me telling you, Lewis, and more about me telling everybody in the world that we're doing everything we can for you, bud. Like, yeah. Not, yeah. not even, I, I didn't even take it as much as like, we're, we're doing everything we can for you, bud. more just like, it's not you, Lewis. Like we, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. Keep your head in the game. You've got this. You will be able to do this. It's our fault. It's all far. It's all our fault. We're the ones that are Oof. responsible for this and that they were like, I took it as him trying to put up a shield around Lewis Hamilton's own emotions, uh, given yeah. this horrific, uh, finish for him and and trying to basically protect him from and 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 unfortunately i think it's probably relatively transparent it seems to be you know a lot of people are are catching this and it, it it's it's that's a it's a it, it makes me wonder like all right is you know obviously mercedes got some issues but is it further compounded by lewis's own issues yeah, which he's openly like talked about. He's like, you know, I'm struggling. Uh, this is especially this past year. It was it's 
I've, I've always struggled with like mental health and like depression and anxiety and like, uh, you know, moments of like doubts of self-worth, uh, and which I think is beautiful. I think that's great that a uh, top tier athlete can talk about something like that uh, without fear of people looking at that as like, a, oh, he's weak. Mm-hmm. He can't hang. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but I do. I don't think that that is lip service. I don't think that that is his publicist uh, or someone from like the health council being like, hey, can you like kind of speak on our behalf and call attention to it? I think he really does deal with this stuff and it affects him and he's i mean he posted something about like and to me as someone who like kind of throws themselves into music when i like need um like i need like i can't do comedy or i can't write or i'm not feeling inspired um like lewis posted something about like not going back to his studio setup and like like making music since abu dhabi that he just hasn't felt inspired uh he posted something Mm. about this like uh, like a while ago uh or like a couple of weeks ago and just personally to me i was like oh that's that's not a good sign if you're not even feeling that inspiration then like there's something that you got to work on um because i know when yeah. i feel that way there's like something else happening that i can't like throw myself into the thing that like throw that like brings me joy or helps distract me or like regain traction and focus in the thing that I should be doing to make money or to uh, further my career. And I think Lu- uh, to Lewis, I think music is probably not probably he's said that that is, that is how he treats it. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, that was very telling. And I think Toto is doing a good job, but a very transparent job uh, of being like Lewis, we got you, dude. Uh, uh, don't, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we're going to give you the best car. So you don't have to like worry, like no stress, please. Yeah. It was a little upsetting, especially cause he got lapped by Verstappen. He got lapped by Verstappen in the middle of the race, not middle, the end. Yeah. Here's, here's another one where the broadcast directors have a little fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was being lapped, they brought up the like, this is the split time between the two cars that are battling each other. And yep. it was like, oh, there's 77 seconds apart. 77 uh-huh. seconds ahead of, yeah, it was wow. not a good. That was, that, that was a pretty, that was a pretty stark, like, all right, this is, we're not showing this because it serves any useful function in the competition, no. just as a reminder of how different things are from last season. Yeah. So that was, that was, a little, uh, it's a little bit upsetting. It's a little bit concerning, but as you'd mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, there are some updates that it will be coming, uh, for, for a lot of the teams. Um, they've been doing this thing on Saturdays, uh, where they like talk to a team and talk to like technical, uh, experts. They have like one of the tech mm-hmm. experts come through and like interview a technical director at a team. And then this weekend they went through and literally went to every single team and looked at every single car uh, and had Sam Collins like talk about the updates that were there and that are like upcoming. And everyone had at least two updates to their car except for McLaren and Ferrari. And look at who won uh, the the race uh, and who like should have won the race um uh red bull uh who had like very limited 
very limited. I think they had uh, one winglet change and one rear brake duct scoop that they mm-hmm. added to their car uh, this weekend. But yeah, Ferrari didn't bring any updates. Red Bull brought like almost no updates and McLaren brought one update. Like it's literally just like a rear floor support. They just like stiffened the floor up a little bit uh, in a different part. But every other team brought like a medley of updates and none of them worked, <laughs> including Mercedes, who brought a bunch of stuff. Didn't help them very much. But apparently, like you said, Mercedes is bringing updates in Barcelona. Not in Barcelona. Not, not in Miami, but yeah, in right. Barcelona. Right. But Unfortunately. So we'll uh, also, Aston Martin is rumored to have a car that is in the wind tunnel right now doing their like wind tunnel testing that looks nothing like the car that they have on track right now. So apparently when Silverstone Mm. rolls around, uh, they may have updates to the Aston Martin um, that are going to just change the profile of that car completely. Uh, So that's, that's a rumored update down the road. But otherwise, we'll see. We'll see who's got what. There were already rumors and not rumors, but like mentions of Miami, uh, little sprinklings here and there because uh, we got Miami in a couple of weeks. Hell Looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. As you predicted, Johnny, they immediately started with the publicity like before this race was even over. Uh, they were talking about like, well, Miami's coming up. Are you excited about that? And it's like we literally haven't even debriefed about the race we just did. I even liked that the uh, the ESPN broadcast, which is just a exact, uh, the it is the entire Sky F one feed, which is except for graphic. It is it is no no it's it's totally the same. It's fully it's 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 a hundred percent the same. Everything is. I mean, you literally in at the end of the race, like at the tail end of the race. When they're in between interviews, they'll start like advertising like all the various uh, uh, football or soccer games that are going to be on later in the day on on Sky and whatnot. But uh, on ESPN, at the very beginning and at the very end of the broadcast, there's like a random ESPN woman sitting at a desk who says, uh, you know, the the race has been brought to you by Mother's Car Polish, who have, you know, sponsored it without shout out to Mother's Car Polish for getting us for sponsoring this in a way where we get a broadcast without any commercial interruptions, which is amazing. I've spent like more than 10 years of my life watching Formula One races with commercial interruptions that are just randomly dropped in, which is infuriating. Uh, But uh, even at the end of the race, you know, she says, thank you for joining us for the, uh, you know, Formula One Rolex Grand Premio del Made in Italy del Emilia Romana 2022. Uh, (laughs) And then was like, and mark your calendars because we're going to Miami next. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. We're gonna have an off weekend between now and then, which yeah. I think we can probably spend uh, getting super Miami hyped up, listening oh, to yeah. the Miami Vice theme song, driving mm-hmm. around town in a in so a many white, white on white Ferrari Testarossa, yeah, um, while wearing a white yeah. blazer with white linen pants and no shirt underneath that white yep. blazer. Um, That's right. Also, white Jesus Tur- sandals. Turquoise pocket square. Turquoise <laughs> pocket square. Yes, and the uh, and gradiated sunglasses. Um, 
but yeah. they're like the rainbow gradiated. They're not like just the normal reflective. Um, Naturally, yeah. That's uh, that's so that's that was our that was our uh, Johnny. You got the third one in there. You 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 and you rattled off that name of the the Emiliana Robama Grand Prix so fucking perfectly. The, the, the Formula One Rolex Grand Premio del Made in Italy della Emilia Romana. Oh, so slick. Your your Italianness is showing. Well, uh, let's uh, let, let's 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 ask that question here, Johnny. What do you think? Do you think that this weekend did Formula One stock go up here in the United States? I think so. I think we got to see. Uh, I think the the sprint race brings a little extra excitement to the mm-hmm. weekend, makes it a little more dynamic, and I think you know from from here on out, it's just all Miami fever. So yes. Uh, yeah that's 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 where we're headed yeah record record highs i think yeah i i agree i think that we 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 definitely went up this week we're we're on a uh not not the steepest of inclines but we're on like a steady gradual rate of increase uh with this stock but uh but i think that we're going to to probably hit a spike this time next week just Mm -hmm. in in the same way that uh as soon as Vegas was announced, there was like an immediate rollout of just a ton of imagery about that Vegas race. This is the first time they're holding a race in Miami, and they are absolutely going to go full on. I mean, this is also a test run for the Vegas Grand Prix, right? Yeah. Like for marketing purposes, they're going to be testing out how they market and who is receptive to to all of their gimmicks that they come up with for Miami. Uh, so yeah, I think their stock went up and it's going to rapidly increase by, uh, by next weekend, even though there is no race happening. Um, yep. yeah, also, uh, uh, we didn't touch on it at all, but like, uh, <laughs> it was extra sad because Carlitos just signed, um, a contract to match him up with Leclerc. So him and Charles Leclerc are yeah. be driving Ferrari together until, uh, 2026. Um, so yep, yep, yep. yeah, so, uh, it would have been extra nice to see. Carlito finish uh, in front of the home crowd as a celebration of like, yeah, this is our boy and we're supporting him. But mm-hmm. he'll have to wait until Monza for that, which isn't technically their home crowd, but it is still an Italian Grand Prix. Uh, it'll, it's slightly further away from the the, the factory in Marinello, uh, but it is still in Italy. So, I mean, it's it is the quintessential Italian Grand Prix. So, well, a, the current quintessential because Imola yes, used this to is be, true. but now it's like, since Imola's back on the calendar, I'd say this is, we could swap it over for Monza and make this just the Italian Grand Prix, because Monza is a, technically the Italian Grand Prix, right? It is, it is. Yeah. And uh, for me, what makes Monza connect so beautifully is the way that their podium is set up. Yeah, that is uh, really, really The cool. Monza will... Yeah, I won't I won't get get deep into it here, but when we when we get to Monza later in the season, I think the podium is like it's a sensation in and of itself. Yeah. A really powerful thing generated to create incredibly memorable images in in Formula 1, especially if the the church bells in Maranello are ringing, which they yeah. certainly were not today. No. No, they were not. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, Johnny, where can the uh, good people find you online? Oh, you can hit me up anytime on Twitter at 
Johnny Motion. Uh, I, I talk about all my all my things there, including geeking the hell out on Formula One. And you should make sure that you follow us on Twitter uh, at the F1 Files because. And I'm just going to share my screen with you for a second, Corey. Uh, yeah. This is what I've been uh, been working up, and oh, I'll, I'll share this out on our on our Twitter account. Some detailed analysis of the Tafosi. Of and the their hands. reaction to uh yeah I, I was able to count I, i've lost count it's something like so many hands like on head 57 so italian hands uh <laughs> reacting in various italian ways it, it is beautiful it's a really uh, nice thing to really to, to see um it's it's pretty pretty astounding so i'll oh. uh I'll, I'll post that out there into the into the world for for all to see uh cory where can the folks find you online yeah, uh, you can uh, track me down at Burn Corey Burn. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and uh, TikTok as well. Haven't posted anything over there in a while, but I will post something soon. I promise. Uh, and also, we uh, we got a little F1 files action on Reddit. So that uh, picture that Johnny's going to be posting on our Twitter is mm-hmm. also going to end up on uh, Reddit. Uh, so track us down, find us there, uh, and uh, we will catch you. All of you fine folks, the next time on the F1 file. <laughs> <laughs>